On this episode of Talking Schmidt, I have an interview with Reed Harper, former Austin Peay baseball player drafted by the Atlanta Braves, and our Schmidt break. We talk everything from Big Ben getting a haircut and a beard shave to the fans that were at an FC Soul game. We have all that and more coming up next. Welcome in everyone to episode four of Talking Schmidt. Now I have a very special guest on with me and I say that about every guest, but like how many times do you have a guy that's been on the Sports Center top 10 plays on your podcast with you? I have that privilege today. I've known this guy since I was a sophomore in high school. He is an amazing human being. Uh, one of my one of my greatest friends. His name is Reed Harper. Reed, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Fish. How's it going? Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, man, you are, uh, you're one of those guys, you know, you were always something special. I, I got to call your senior year for both basketball and baseball. Um, and I, I just, you could just tell, man, it, it's, there's great charisma. Um, you're entertaining to watch, uh, for anybody that's been able to watch Reed play. He's, he's very entertaining and you're just a great all around human being. Um, I want to start off with you, man. And we'll talk a little bit about your time, uh, in the minors. First of all, I, I think one of the coolest things is, is, you know, we all grow up, and especially, you know, in any sport, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is, and you say, you know, we're all we're all fans of a sporting team. I mean, that's just how it works out. For you, growing up, you're a Braves fan, and then you're drafted by the Braves. What was that feeling like for you? Well, that's that's funny. I did grow up a Braves fan, um, uh, but the crazy thing is, two years before that, uh, my brother Ryan got drafted by the Braves, and we kind of lived the whole thing. Um, and I was just going doing the same thing he did. Um, it was, it was pretty awesome. Um, I'm glad I got to experience everything in the minor leagues. Um, mainly because I never would have known what it was like to be in a clubhouse, uh, with all the different professional baseball players and moving up every level and seeing the differences at each level. Um, and it, it's always different when you get to experience it. Now that's a, that's a really cool thing that we get to talk about too because you know Ryan he's still in he's still in the majors uh, he's with the Nationals correct That's right Yeah that that's got to be cool you know you know as a brother cuz you know I'm a younger brother too and I always look up to my older brother I know you probably have that same sense and and to be able to see that you know for for anybody that doesn't know Reed who might be listening uh Reed and Ryan they both went to Clarksville High School which is where we all met uh they both played at Austin P and then they both get drafted by the Braves so it's like you know it's not to me at least I wouldn't think it's like you know feeling like you're in someone's shadow it's just you get to continue to play ball with someone that you grew up with I mean that that's got to be a crazy feeling uh well it was awesome uh and Really, the, our two years at Austin P was probably the coolest thing that either one of us uh, has ever experienced in sports. Um, and the fact that the second year that we played together, um, how much it meant for us to win the OVC championship together, and that kind of springboarded our team to win three in a row. But uh, that year with Ryan, his senior year and my sophomore year, uh, it was probably the coolest time in our lives uh as athletes. Now, one thing that uh, I guess before I get into really your time and just how the minor leagues worked, something that was recent uh, that almost skipped my mind. I had to have to wheel back here is you know your time at Austin P. 
you had a great career at Austin P. I got to watch many of your games. It was it was so fun to be able to go from you know seeing you at, you know at the high school level, and then you know we both went to the same college as well. So to be able to see you there, uh, I don't ever think I got to call one of your games at college, which you know that's a little heartbreaking for me. But <laughs> recently. Uh, recently they've released the top 10 Govs baseball players of all time, and you were number seven on that list. I mean, that's huge because you're on there with guys like A.J. Ellis, uh, Sean Kelly. I mean, guys who are, have had great pro careers. Um, you know, Bachman's on there as well. I mean, I got we got to watch Bachman play. He was always phenomenal down at third. But, you know, for you, I know it's probably one of those things where it might not seem like a huge thing, but, you know, when I saw your name pop up, it was just like, you know, it didn't surprise me because of knowing how much you'd accomplished coming into that. Was that a cool moment for you just to kind of see your name and just be like, well, man, there's a lot of great baseball history at Austin P and I'm being recognized as one of those guys. Uh, well, first of all, it's all about the three championships we won. Um, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have been on that list. Uh, and anytime Raj Bachman, Hankins, myself, any of us get any type of accolades. It's just one big celebration going back to how good of a time we had in college. And it was, it was pretty unheard of the stretch that we went on and looking back on it, it's crazy that we were able to accomplish everything that we did. Um, Three of my four roommates from my junior year were on that top 10. Um, It's just, we had so much talent on our teams. Uh, and it showed we had three championships. We had 10 guys drafted. We had uh, numerous others signed free agent deals with uh, professional clubs. And it was just unreal. I'm so thankful to our coaches uh, for being able to recruit that type of talent to Austin P. Um, you don't get that much talent uh, in a conference like the Ohio Valley Conference very often. Uh I mean, when I walked off campus, we were top 25 team in the country, and that was would have just been unheard of if you would have told me that when uh, when I first went to college. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome experience for I, I feel the whole campus because you know a lot of people who don't know a lot of history about Austin P during that time. You know, you know we've seen a resurgence finally in the football program, but at that time we really we had to cling to baseball, and you guys made it worthwhile for all of us that were fans and just, you know, you were proud to put on Austin P gear and Austin P baseball gear. I know I was for a fact. I I loved every second of it. You know, obviously there's a a personal touch there for me knowing, you know, knowing you and uh, getting to know some of those guys along the way as well. But Man, it was is definitely a phenomenal feeling to to know you know we could turn on tell like turn on the TV and our guys were playing on national television you know in in some of those super re- or some of the the outside rounds of the uh, of the a uh, uh, baseball tournament for the College World Series so it was just really really a cool moment I think for all of us in this community to also have that going on as well. One thing I have for you here, man, you know I talked to Jared a little bit and and you know we talked a little bit about. He obviously is still very close to some of the guys that he played in the minors with. I know you are as well. You know, right now it's a very weird time for those guys, and it's even a weird time, you know, for you know for Ryan and, and the the pros as well because we don't really know what's going to happen with the baseball season, major league or even minor leagues. We don't really know anything that's going on, and for a lot of these guys, you know, that's that's their lifeline. I mean, this is their job, and they're being told, you know, hey. You really can't come to work. You know, have you been able to talk to Ryan a little bit or have you been able to talk to some of your guys, you know, some of your friends and, and some of the other guys that you played with in the past and just, you know, be able to to hear how they're doing and how they're handling this? Uh, I've talked to 
a decent amount of people about what's going on. And it's just really, really sad um, for the entire sports community. Um, it, it's it's affecting everything all the way from high school to college to professional baseball. Um, you look at those minor leaguers and right, right now, I, I don't really see a path to there being a minor league season this year. And that would just be devastating trying to put myself in one of those guys shoes of missing an entire season. And it's just like these guys missing their, their senior season of baseball. Uh, and I mean, what if we were in that three year stretch that I was talking about that we were just given everything we had because we were extremely prideful um, of what was going on. And all of a sudden it could have just been taken away from us. And before this year, it just seemed like something that wasn't in the realm of a possibility. And it just got taken away from everybody uh, at once. Yeah, definitely heartbreaking, man. You, you got to feel for the seniors right now. You got to feel for the, you know, the guys in college. And like you said, I mean, that run could never, may never have happened. So that that's a great point, Rita. I, I'm glad you brought that up, man. Well, we're going to take our first break here on Talking Schmidt. I'm, I'm going to keep Reed on with me if that's cool with you, Reed. I, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm bugging you a little bit here, but uh, I'd love to keep you on, man. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more because uh, you were in a I have to throw this out there. You were in a pretty, pretty cool pickup basketball game last night. So we gotta, we gotta talk about that as well. There's an NBA guy playing, so we, we definitely have to bring that up. We're gonna have more coming up after the break. Welcome back into segment two of Talking Schmidt. I spoke really, uh, really out of turn in the end of that last break there, uh, throwing into the break at least. The game never happened, but I can tell you this much. It was a star-studded group that was going to be there, including the guy that I'm talking to right now, Reed Harper. Many people don't know this, but Reed and his older brother Ryan, uh, both baseball players, but were phenomenal basketball players. I, I mean, you... Even if you tell me, even if you tell me no, I won't let anybody else believe that because I watched you play high school basketball. I've seen you play pickup, and it's like you never miss a beat when you're out there. How how do you stay in shape for basketball when I know that you don't even like pick up a basketball sometimes? Basketball keeps me in shape because if there was no basketball, I, there there isn't really any other type of conditioning that I enjoy. So I don't know what I'm going to do when my body starts breaking down a little bit. And as far as my basketball career, you can pretty much credit any compliment I get to Tyrone Caldwell, who I believe is the most underrated basketball player to ever come through the city of Clarksville. I agree with that. I love Tyrone's game, man. He was so phenomenal watching him play. Uh, we were very fortunate, man, at, at Clarksville High School during our time, honestly, to have so many talented athletes just on uh, really on every field. I mean, you think of, you know, from I mean, obviously, I wasn't there freshman year because we didn't move back from California until my sophomore year. But man, you think of some of the some of the very talented players that that came through, whether it's football, basketball, uh, baseball, softball, wrestling, whatever it was. I mean, we had some very talented, and even when we were going out, I mean, you think of like Bashara Graves. I mean, who was a freshman when we were seniors. I mean, and she played in WNBA. I mean, she was drafted. So, and and that team that had five girls all signed Division One was just a crazy, crazy concept for all of us. So, Reed, I'm going to jump into this, though, because I know a lot of times, you know, 
coaches will tell their high school students, you know, to be a multi-sport athlete. And you were talking about it just now, you know, basketball, keeping you in shape and the conditioning of it. When you, if you were to talk to any youth about, you know, being a dual sport athlete or a triple sport athlete, what would you tell them? Because it's obviously been successful for you. It's been successful for a lot of guys to play multiple sports, but you know, there are some people who don't really want that to be what they do. They want to stick to one sport. So if you had a chance, you know, you you get a room full of, you know, athletes, baseball players, whatever it is, young guys who are coming up, you get a chance to just look at them and say, hey, you should be a multi-sport athlete. Give the pitch now to those guys to do it. Well, as far as playing more than one sport, I wouldn't do it just for the sake of playing another sport. But if if you have the talent and ability to play more than one sport, then I I think it's kind of crazy the type of things that people are coming up with to try and keep that person pigeonholed into that one sport that they may be playing. That uh, I mean, if you if you came through as a tenth or eleventh grader and say your best sport's baseball, that doesn't mean a year or two down the road when your body develops more that you may be a better basketball player. Um, as long as your body uh, and ability allows you to play more than one and you're good at it, um, keep playing as much as you can. And uh, I mean, your body will tell yourself what you're best at. And eventually you won't be able to play anything but that one until um, time runs out. Absolutely. I think that's kind of the, the thing I think a lot of people, and, and that's why we're feeling for the senior class right now too, because there's some people, you know, who are good baseball players or great baseball players or, you know, ran track or whatever was going on in the spring and, and they didn't get that season. So you, that's why, you know, I think a lot of people are feeling for this senior class because there's a lot of talented guys who, you know, guys and girls who are not going to be able to step out on their respective field or whatever it is for that final season, you know, and, and they're hoping that they can, you know, some of them, I, I've seen some people, uh, I saw one girl when I was still, you know, working and covering sports that she put up a YouTube video and the next day or next week, she had an offer from one of the community colleges in the area. So very excited for, you know, some of those players who are able to do that. But, you know, I, I think it's also missing the camaraderie of that, of that last game or that, you know, that last season. And like you mentioned, there's a, it, you can't even imagine how that feels, uh, because we got that opportunity to play those last seasons, you know, when we were seniors or when we were in college or whatever it was. So everybody's looking for that last hoorah. Uh, I mean, if you just watch the last dance with Michael Jordan, um, Phil basically let it be known to the team that it was going to be the last dance at the start of the season. And they knew it and everybody wants to go out that way. But what it really comes down to, if I feel for the juniors. I feel for the sophomores. Everybody lost a season. It's like they got an injury and they had to go have surgery, rehab, come back, and you missed an entire year. And it's like it happened to everybody at once. And you gear up for it. And, I mean, if this would have happened my junior year of high school, I I would have missed out on baseball my junior year, which was a huge year for me uh, as far as I've – grew six inches before that year started <laughs> and I, I had been waiting to hit that growth spurt my whole life. And then if, if this would have happened, I would have had to wait another year to see what my body uh, would really let me do. And uh, everybody's got their story and this is going to affect everybody out there. And it's, it's really devastating and something that these guys can never get back. And it's just, I feel for everybody. 
Yeah, growth spurts must be nice coming from a very short guy over here. So uh, that's <laughs> got to be a fun thing. Reed, let's uh, let's we'll we'll move back in now because I know how there are a lot of people are feeling the same way we are for this for the senior class and and for most of the students who are missing out. Um, one thing I want to talk about with you, and I think you know, being able to hear from someone who's been in this position and anybody that listens to this that might be younger and may not know the grind of it or know what it takes to be at the level that you were at. I feel that you're someone that can definitely, you know, you have a great knowledge of sports and you have a great knowledge of every, uh, really, you know, from whether you see, you know, yourself go through it or even your brother go through it to get to the majors. Kind of talk about that grind that you've gone through, you know, through the minors to get to, you know, any point that you can get to. What's it like, you know, when you're a part of a minor league organization? That's a good question because it's, I can tell you from a Braves perspective and all 30 clubs, um, as far as everyone I've talked to, uh, they do, they run things differently. So I can tell you how the Braves did things and it's a, it's a reality check when you get into minor league baseball, because you realize what, well, in the minor leagues, it was 140 games schedule just like uh about 20 games less than at the major league level and it's a lot different than college and high school uh when i came up growing up playing any sport it was all about winning um and if you won enough you were going to get team accolades and then people were going to think that you were actually better than you were just because your team was winning and so why wouldn't you just play to win everything uh, that you were competing in. And when you get to minor league baseball, it, it really, it turns into an individual sport, which is tough. Um, And, but you know, that prize at the end of the road is making it to the major leagues. And when you get there, it's about winning again and nothing beats, uh, a locker room where everybody's in there with a common goal and everybody that was playing in the minor leagues, regardless of what level you were at, just wanted to work their way back to feel that again. Cause everybody had felt it at some point in their life and knew how much fun it would be competing in the big leagues. Yeah. That's one thing that, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize is that, you know, every day you're competing you know, to make sure that you can make it to that next step or that next stage. And, you know, there's a lot of guys who play baseball. And obviously, you know, each time that you go up or whatever, the, the roster is going to get a little bit smaller and the guys you're going to be going against are very talented. So, yeah, that's one thing that, you know, you know, guys like me, I'll never have that experience. But I know, you know, for you, it's 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 being able to see it firsthand and being able to see it pay off. And uh, you know, that's pretty cool to talk about baseball now getting into the uh obviously the MLB they're they're hoping to have maybe an 80 game um season if we can get that that'd be great i mean obviously the no fans in the stands if you were a player right now we'll jump into this first if you were a player and you walked into you know any ballpark in america no matter what it is and you walked in there and you saw no fans what would that feeling be like? Like, how would you even be able to like in your mind really focus on, I mean, obviously baseball, it's a little bit different, but still you, you, you feed off the fans charisma as well. I, uh, that's true for sure. 
um, and it will affect the game, but I don't think that it will to the effect of a sport such as basketball will. Um, because baseball players, you have to get so locked in on every pitch uh, when the game's actually going on. You, you, the good players out there, they're blocking out the whole world um, every time that pitch is thrown. Uh, and then you can kind of relax, <laughs> wait for the next pitch to be thrown. But these guys, they've played in minor league stadiums where on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, it's going to be about like what it is now. So I'm, you go out there and perform the first time that batter steps in the box and he sees 96 come by him. It's not going to take him much to get locked in and know that if he's not, he's not going to be able to hit it. Um, once you, once you get in between those lines, it, it's, it won't affect those guys one bit, not having fans in the stands. It's, it's going to be sad for them, uh, but it won't affect their ability on the field whatsoever um i don't know if that will go as much for basketball um guys actually might play a little bit better in basketball without (laughs) fans (laughs) because uh it'll be like straight pickup yeah well man also with that with baseball season uh you know 80 game 80 game season who do you think is a front runner in an 80 game season i mean do you Obviously, I know you know you. I know deep down you want to say the Nationals, you know, just for Ryan. But you know, who do you think you know watching as a fan and getting a chance to see that? Who do you think would step into this season with eighty games and should be the front runner and somebody that we would more than likely see in the World Series? Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of the teams that were last year, um, and I, I mean the Dodgers, the Yankees, uh, the Astros. Nobody's going to be there heckling them. Uh, in any team that has frontline pitching, uh, the nationals are going to be in it right again. Um, I'm really interested to see how they make up for the loss of Rendon, but anytime you have Scherzer and Strasburg, they're going to be in it. And, uh, the 80 game season, as long as guys stay healthy, um, as, as long as your starting pitching stays healthy, um, the teams with the best frontline starters are probably going to fare the best um, and get out the gate quicker than others. Uh, But I I think injuries will have a lot to do with the season this year uh, because I think we're going to see more than normal because it's different training to get ready. Uh, They're not on their normal schedules. Uh, But I I think it's going to be a lot of the same teams uh, that, were in the playoffs last year that are kind of going to be the teams that people are chasing this year. Uh, I think the Braves have a good young team. If uh, they have a chance to ride Soroka's young arm, if, uh, if he keeps taking the steps that he's taken every year, he's, uh, he's a bona fide top of the rotation guy. Uh, the Yankees just got cold, uh, they're going to be tough to beat the twins who Ryan just left their lineups unreal now. Um, but it, it's going to be a lot of the same and I just hope they play and who knows what's going on behind the scenes right now in the negotiations and trying to get things ready to play. But I really hope uh, by, by the 4th of July that we have sports <laughs> in baseball, basketball, everything's starting to come back to normal a little bit and 
I know it's not going to be normal without fans, but I, I want to watch something on TV, <laughs> something competitive. No, I agree with you completely, Reed, uh, just all of that. And I, I know it has to be, I mean, it's frustrating. I know a lot of people have been watching NASCAR. Um, I turned on Bundesliga soccer just because I wanted to see how that worked. I mean, I, I, I think all of us who are sports fans right now, we're just, you know, itching and itching to try and see something on TV. Reed, it has been an absolute privilege to get a chance to talk with you, man. I say that. It's funny because, you know, we've known each other for such a long time, but it is such, it's always fun to get a chance to talk with you, man. I know I haven't, we haven't seen each other for a long time either, so that's a big part of this as well. But, man, it is such a, just a great experience uh, just to get a chance to sit down and, and talk with you in, in any capacity, whether it's over you know over a phone call or getting to see you in person, man. So I am truly thankful, uh, and I'm glad I was able to take a few of your minutes here tonight. Uh, no problem. Good to hear from you, Fish. Absolutely, man. Well, that was Reed Harper who joined me for these first two segments of Talking Schmidt. Coming up after the break, you guys know he's overly opinionated. Uh, if you if you listen to episode three, uh, my good friend Justin Kleiner, he'll tell you about anything, even if you don't want to really listen to it. He'll tell you about it. Uh, that's coming up after the break. All right, everyone, we are on to the Schmidt break. I'm joined by Justin Kleinerd. Justin, we've had we have some cool storylines to talk about here. Um, I guess you can kind of say cool. Let's start off with Big Ben. He made a guarantee or promise that he wouldn't cut his hair, he wouldn't shave until he was able to complete a pass or throw a pass to one of his teammates. So the other day he goes out, he completes a pass to Juju Smith-Schuster. Next thing you know, he's in a barber shop. Uh, he's getting his hair cut. He's getting his beard trimmed. And then the uh, Pittsburgh mayor comes out. The governor of Pennsylvania comes out and says uh, there's still the county he's in still in the yellow phase out of the pandemic and that he shouldn't have been doing that because it's setting a bad example to people. Thanks for having me back on again. Um, you know, Big Ben made the awful, awful misjudgment to, to have the audacity to go out and have his hair cut and his beard trimmed. Um, first off, as a man who has a beard, um, if you can't trim your own beard, you shouldn't even be allowed to have one. Um, so that's my first concern there. I, I think we're missing the boat here. The biggest concern is the fact that he can't trim and manicure his own beard. I think that's a huge red flag. Um, I think there's other red flags with Big Ben. Obviously, past uh, circumstances have showed us that. Uh, but I think that's a major red flag. I think that's what we need to be concerned about. But yeah, you know, he said he wasn't going to shave his hair or beard till he could, you know, throw a legit NFL pass. And, uh, you know, he obviously, you know, has recovered well, was able to throw the ball. Um, and, you know, he, you know, cleaned up a little a little bit better than we thought he would. So, uh, you know, shame on the governor of Pennsylvania. You know, all these... Uh, all the, you know, Governor Wolf up there, you know, shame on them for this. You know, all of them are going out. They're still, you know, they're, they're still getting their hair cut. You know, they're still getting, you know, whatever other personal services they get done. They're, they're still meeting those. All these people on TV right now and in the media, they all look pretty well-groomed. We don't see any of them growing great big beards or mullets. So, you know, I, I think that's one of the worst parts about this whole thing with what the media is pushing. You know, it's do as I say, not as I do. You know... Big Ben, his grandparents, you know, they, they stormed the beaches of Normandy, and he just went out and got a haircut and a beard shave, you know, so 
he's showing us what braveness is these days and really setting the new standard in our in our time. Well, what's being said about it is, is the fact that actually the guy who cut his hair and, and trimmed his beard for him um, didn't actually open. He's just a he's just a friend of Big Ben's, and so he let him in, and he did that as a courtesy because that's apparently where he goes to get his game day cuts or or whatever he does, and he gets it. So it's, it's a it's a friend that's letting him in, and he said he didn't even charge him; it was for free. It was literally just because they're close acquaintances or, or friends. So so per the Pittsburgh Gazette, uh, they asked the the great journalism question of the day the other day to Governor Wolf. You know his opinion on the haircut, his opinion of the shave, and whether or not he thought the state should investigate. Um, <laughs> you know that's great journalism in there. I mean, all all of us, you know, when we sit down to write articles or anything like that, or do blog posts, or sit down and do this podcast, that's exactly what we want to do. We want to make sure we ask the best of the best questions to really shine on some light on what really matters. Uh, so, you know, it's good stuff. But, yeah, you know, it's a guy that's cut his hair a long time. You know, he opened up his shop. Didn't There wasn't a fee uh, for any of his services rendered. So, you know, if you ask me, it just sounds like a guy opening up his shop to give his buddy a haircut. And, honestly, it's really none of the state's damn business what a business does. So, uh, hopefully this guy's able to go on and uh, move forward uh, and without any state intervention. And, you know, we'll see. I'm sure he'll continue to cut Big Ben's hair for the next, you know, two to three years that he'll spend in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, we'll see what quarterback Pittsburgh gets next to get this guy in his seat. Yeah, it's weird to me because it's one of those things where it's like if he had done this at Big Ben's house or if he had done it at his own house, you know, what's not to say the guy lives above the barbershop? How, how are you going to tell me can't, you know, cut someone's hair, you know, as long as he's not, you know, offering the services that might still be flagged, if you will. Yeah, well, you know, not someone to brag and draw attention to myself, but I will say this. I was so brave yesterday. I, too, myself, went out and got a haircut. Uh, Looks good, by the way. Thank, thank goodness we live in the great state of Tennessee, and, uh, you know, we've, you know, seen that it's okay to start to open things back up. So, you know, I was able to go get a haircut, and, you know, after that, you know, I was feeling brave. So I actually went down and sat in a restaurant and ate dinner. Uh, so, you know, out here just taking grave, you know, risk and, uh, you know, good reward. Got a haircut, got a good meal. So, you know, I... The state's in no position to tell a business owner what and what they can't do. Uh, you know, that's part of this great federalist nation that we have. You know, we're able to have stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's the, all this is going to come out in the wash, and I think you're going to see a difference, you know, when election time rolls around with a lot of these people that are trying to power, grab, and overreach their bounds. Let's, let's move on now. We're going to talk about a situation that's going on in Korea right now. Uh, FC Seoul, a soccer team over there. Uh, They've been able to come back. They started May 8th, I believe, is when they opened the league back up. It was the first major league of soccer to come back. Um, in the stands, they had several uh, several sex dolls. We'll call them mannequins from here on out. Um, they had several of those mannequins out in the crowd, dressed in FC Soul gear. Uh, and now they're facing a huge backlash from their league that they're in. Mainly that they had to play pay 100 million won, which equals about $82,000 in American dollars. Uh, so they had to pay that amount. Uh, and now they're also there's a possibility they get kicked out of their their stadium because of the dolls that were used or the mannequins that were used um, had the company's logo on it, and they didn't get clearance from the stadium to have that. And they said that there was a 
one of the best viewerships that they had ever had on Korean soccer. First time that eyes from like all around the world were watching that. So they're getting a lot of heat right now. But uh, is the heat? I mean, do they deserve the heat for that? Well, take take the sex dolls out of the equation. Let's start off with the front and foremost. Uh, the United States has done a lot of good in that part of the world, in, in, in Korea. Um, you know, we've helped establish democracy there, which with any time communism dying, democracy rises, everyone benefits. Unfortunately, with that, they've brought into this clutch your pearls and fall to the ground type of media reporting. Um, I'm sure that if you were on the ground in South Korea, Nobody gives two shits about this. N- nobody cares. It's not a big deal. It's a big deal right now because it's a great headline article. It's going to grab your attention. It's going to get clicks. And this is, again, just the overreaction by the media. Again, I don't see a use for a sex doll. I just don't. A lot of things are invented that I don't see a use for. But with that said, these are capitalistic markets. So if somebody has a product and they can sell that product and get a fee for that product, more power to them. Uh, you know, now, I will say this. That is probably the most surprised fans they've had all year sitting there. Um, so, you know, if you look at this, it would be really hard. Again, not a sex doll expert here by no means, uh, but looking at the pictures from it, you really can't tell a difference between that and a mannequin. Um, some some features may be more exasperated than others. Uh, I'll say that in the pictures I've seen. Um so again, way overblown, way overreaction. Uh, you know, hate to see stuff like this. Everybody's trying to do good right now. They're trying to get sports back. Uh, you know, sports is a great unifying factor in our society and others across the world. So sports are meant to bring us together, not divide us. And this is just another example of the of the large media just trying to bring some type of division and bad news in a time where our you know our culture and our world need more positivity, not more controversy talking about getting eyes on a sport that might not have a lot of viewership one that is getting a lot of attention right now is nascar i know you've spoke to me about it a lot you've been able to watch a few races they're doing what seven races in 11 days right correct seven races in 11 days spread out across all three major nascar series uh you know the title cup series uh the xfinity series and then the uh truck series they're going to race uh you know actually uh a little after we speak today, NASCAR is going to have their second race at Darlington. Was supposed to have a Xfinity race last night, got postponed due to the weather. Now it's moved to this coming Thursday, um, and then but tonight we are going to have the second Cup Series. This is the first back-to-back points race that NASCAR's had at the same track since they gave out you know points for the Daytona qualifying races. So this is a pretty big deal for NASCAR. Uh, this past Sunday, you really, when the Nelson data come out after the race, you know, you're looking at it scored a 3.7 uh, rating and had over 6.3 million viewers. Huge for NASCAR. Huge for NASCAR. Uh, their largest growth demographically was the age range of 18 to 34, which is a market that NASCAR's tried year after year to try to tap into. Uh, so I think you're going to see some good things coming from NASCAR, and, and hopefully, you know, they can turn the best out of this situation uh, and put a great product on the track, and you know, really draw fans into the sport. Hopefully, after just retain some of those fans, because uh, it's a sport that's you know, it is driven by fan attendance, not so much as 
baseball is not, not quite the amount of money that comes through the gate at a NASCAR event. Uh, so a lot still comes from the title sponsors of the races, the manufacturer sponsors of the cars, and then sponsorships on the cars. So a lot of the money is still coming into NASCAR. Now one of the things you're going to have to watch out for at NASCAR is anytime you have a downturn in your economy, some of the first money to go from these businesses are advertising dollars. So that's what potentially could slow NASCAR down, but a lot of these are locked in in contracts. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully they can keep this momentum going. They plan on running a full schedule this year with full races. Now, they have come out and said there are a few states that are a little on the left side of the spectrum that have said you know, they're not going to host races this year. So now that's going to give tracks an opportunity to double up like a Darlington, like a Martinsville, maybe even a Miami on down the road. They're, they're planning on going to Homestead soon, Atlanta soon, some of the more regional tracks that they can drive to, uh, you know, because most race teams are all based out of the North Carolina area. So... A great opportunity in NASCAR to get some growth and really get some youth into the sport. Um, something they really haven't seen since Jeff Gordon was younger and, you know, your older Dale Earnhardt fans were in the sport. And, you know, as the years have went on, you know, a lot of those people have, you know, fizzled out in one way or another. So it's a great opportunity for growth in the NASCAR community. If you're not a fan of NASCAR, someone that doesn't sit down and watch it, I know you are, you know, what would you tell someone maybe that's never watched NASCAR race to just what should they be prepared for and, and you know, what, what do you think will hook them? Yeah, no, it, it's going to take some time. The racing going on right now is, is a little different than what you normally see. Obviously, they're having to take their same, you know, social distancing measures as everybody else. It's not quite the same atmosphere. When you pack that many fans into a racetrack, it's a different feel. So watching it without fans is kind of eerie, and, and I think we're going to see that as we watch soccer return, as we watch baseball return, and other sports, you know, that have fans in the stands, you know, we're really going to see a difference there. And the reason I didn't mention the NBA there, I don't know if, I don't know if they've got the testicular fortitude to return. I hope they do. I'll be very surprised. But back to NASCAR is, you know, they're just uh, – and they're just going to have – it's a great time. You know, they, they've broken the races up. Instead of just running a full, you know, 350, 500 laps, whatever they run into each track, they've broken it up into stages now. So kind of getting back to, like, the grass, grassroots racing where you have stage racing throughout the race. Uh, so that's kind of helped get some energy back into the sport. You know, it doesn't make it as grueling to sit there and watch it. Uh, you know, now it is guys driving around in a circle, but again, you know, that's how a lot of people look at it. But, you know, football is a little bit more than 22 guys running on a field and, you know, knocking the shit out of each other. So with NASCAR, it is guys driving around in a circle, but a lot of strategy, a lot of technology new to the sport now. So it's really becoming interesting. I think it's a great time to grab those younger fans and, like I said, retain them too. I think they're going to be real interested in these races. Well, that'll do it for our Schmidt break and also for episode four of Talking Schmidt. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and catch us again next week as uh, we continue on. I'll figure out what I have planned for next week. I always like to bring somebody in, talk to somebody else. So we'll see what we have for early next week. But for episode four, we're in the books here.